Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Welcome to church guys, it's 2020, can you believe it? What I find so exciting about this decade, and it's my favorite thing, is you know everyone always talks about the roaring 20s. Welcome to them. How exciting is that? We get to have our own 20s now. People will talk about us and go, you remember the 20s? You guys were there. I know, it's very exciting. I'm really excited for 2020. We've got faith as a church. The power may be out, but we are not. Amen. Um, who was excited when they got their load shedding announcement yesterday? You were, be honest. Because you're like, I get to sp- spend more time talking to people and not on my phone. Am I right? There we go. But uh, we really are excited for, for this year. I know it is warm this evening. Unfortunately, we can power almost everything, just not our air cons. So I promise to be short tonight. Is that all right? Everyone okay with that? Wonderful. But are we going to have a little bit of fun tonight? If you are visiting us for the first time, if this is your first time in church, we really want to say an amazing, massive welcome to you. It's a privilege to be able to host you. Um, my name is Tyler. As I mentioned, I'm part of the team here. I will be preaching this evening, if you hadn't guessed. And uh, that's my amazing wife, Michael, in the front here, who's also on staff. Um, and a lot of our staff are still on holidays. So you'll see Michael doing many a different things. The man can juggle, which is uh, great. But really excited for 2020. A couple of exciting things that are happening this year in the life of this church. Some things to be excited about. The first one, we are turning 21 years old as a church. Can you believe it? I'm really excited for this. We decided we weren't going to make a big deal out of 20 because, I mean, everyone does that. So we thought we'll make a big deal out of 21, and we're really excited. We're going to be having a celebration in March where friends from around the city are going to be coming down, visiting with us. It really is an amazing moment. Uh, You guys might not know this, but a man named Wally Gersmeyer, um, 21 years ago with his, uh, his wife Shirley and his two daughters, got in a combi, drove down from Durban, and planted this church. And there was no building, there were no people. I remember Wally will tell the story. He did his very first service in his lounge with his wife and his two daughters. And he preached his heart out and he sent the buckets around twice. And so... So it just it's an amazing thing, and it is something we really want to celebrate, we're excited for. Um, we believe that when you honor what God has done, He will do so much more. Um, and we've got faith for the more of God. We're not celebrating 21 years or great years because those are the only great years. No, we believe God's got so much more for us, but we want to honor and thank God for His kindness and His goodness to us. So number one, we're turning 21. And number two, we are launching a church in Cape Town. I don't know about you, but I'm unbelievably excited for this. We're launching on the 9th of February. As Kate said, if you want to get involved, if you want to get stuck in, can I ask you to sign up? You do not need to be qualified in anything. If you have the ability to wake up in the morning, you can be on the launch team. I know, it's exciting. So can I say, get involved, get stuck in. There are no qualifications. You don't have to have been in church for 15 years. Actually, we're going on an adventure. We believe God called us to this adventure And actually, he's opened up incredible doors. Our facility is in the middle of Cape Town Central, which in itself is a miracle because it is some of the most um, sought-after land in our our country. 
And God has given us a lampstand there and said, you're going to plant a church here and you're going to do some incredible things. So if you're sitting in your seat and your heart is beating a little bit faster, you're going, well, I should, yeah, that's God. He's telling you to get involved. So do it, um, which is really exciting. But as we know, with the new year, I find it fascinating on the 31st of December, everyone is very tired. And then on the 1st of January, everyone's got energy for the rest of the year. It's this fascinating thing that happens every year. I know. Can you believe it? And with the new year come the beautiful things that we all love so much. New Year's resolutions. Who wrote down their resolutions this year? Just give me a wave. Be honest. There we go. (laughs) Yes, I did. But actually, New Year's resolutions are amazing things. And, you know, unfortunately, New Year's resolutions get a really bad rap. You know, people go, oh, why must we do that? We'll, we'll never achieve that. We'll never get it done. But, but for the nine resolutions, for the ten resolutions you wrote down, nine of them you might not get right. Guess what? That's okay. But you might get one of them right. And you might build on those things and grow and, and do these things. I, I went to research what are the top ten um, New Year's resolutions. They did a, a poll of 2,000 people. You never know if these websites are true or not. But we're going to take them as true because 83% of them are true. It's not true. But anyway, number one, diet or eat healthier. Amen. Amen. Everyone wrote that one down, except the super athletes who are like, I don't care. Number two, exercise more. Number three, lose weight. Number four, save more and spend less. Number five, learn a new skill or hobby. I think that's quite an exciting one. I think I'm going to become a woodworker. That's my one for the year. Number six, quit smoking. Number seven, read more. There we go. Some of us read at all, which is a good one. Um, find another job, which is great. There we go. Maybe just find enjoyment in your current one. Um, drink less alcohol and spend more time with family and friends. So those are the top 10 resolutions that people are chasing after every year in 2020. And I think there's something quite particular in the concept of a New Year's resolution. And I believe it is very simply this concept that we desire change and transformation. We desire to change. And that is not a bad thing. We desire to become better versions of ourselves. And so we have a busy year, a lot happens. We have things, some tragedies, some high moments, some low moments. And actually we go through this year and then we get to the end of the year and it's almost as if God gives us a new season. And so we have this vigor in us to go, I want to change. I want to become better. And actually, I believe that that is a God desire placed in us to become more like Christ. I believe that God puts a desire in every man, woman, and child, whether you have made a commitment to Christ or not, to become a better version of yourself. Even though we stumble and we don't get it right all the time, I believe God wants to do something in all of us. And so the title of my message Tonight is very simply, and we'll be very brief, and then we'll, we'll have some coffees and some pizza afterwards, which is very exciting. For all the guys who are on a diet now, sorry, I'm not. I will be having pizza. Amen. But actually, the title of my message tonight is very simply this, Building a Better Future. Building a Better Future. So now you're looking at that and going, please don't give me more New Year's resolutions. But actually, I believe that every follower of Christ is called to build a better future for themselves, to build a better future for those around them, to build a better future for their nation, to build a better future for their workplace, to build a better future for every area of their life. And so I think it's so interesting that one of those New Year's resolutions is we'll find another job. Well, sir or ma'am, I believe as followers of Christ, we are called to build a better future for our workplaces. 
whether that is a small impact or a big impact, I believe God has called us to do that as believers. And so tonight what we're going to do is we're going to talk about building. And now I don't know about you, but when I got married, we, uh, my wife thankfully had been in her own flat for a long time before that. So she had lots of the essentials. She had a fridge, a washing machine, and we bought a dishwasher the day we got married. Amen. Uh, you know, Michael knows it took him three weeks to get it from Hershey's, but he got it. Um, but it's this amazing thing. We bought all of these things, and then we thought, you know what we need? We need a TV stand. And so we went to the only place to buy furniture these days, Deco Fern, because at Deco Fern, you can find furniture for 299 Rand. Amen. Be honest. I know you guys have got the notifications about the specials. I know it. And so what we did is we went to Deco Fern, and that looks beautiful in the shop. You know, you go and you look at it and you go, wow, that is a top class TV stand. And so what you do is you go to the counter and now you're actually winning because it's January. So they've tried to sell everything and now everything's on special. So now you're buying it at 50% off. You're like, this is the deal of a lifetime. And you walk out of the store, you know, with that spring in your step, like I got something for free. And you, you do that and it goes. And then, and actually you tick the delivery box because it's free delivery. And then they arrive at your home with the Deco Fern TV stand. And the gentleman takes it out of the truck. And it's very strange because it's in a flat box. And you look at it, you're like, oh, okay, well, he's obviously going to put, yeah, yeah, he'll put it together. And then they so very kindly take it into your home and they put it down. And you kind of look at them with this longing and expectation. Like, does, is, does it just pop up? Is it like those tents that you just throw and then they, wah, it's a TV stand. No, they don't. And the gentleman will often look at you and go, have a lovely day. And then he walks out and you are left with a thing in a box. And you're going, well, okay, I can do this. You know, I've got some DIY skills. My dad gave me a toolbox for Christmas. So I'm into this situation. And you start building it. And I'm telling you now. Deco Fern have decided, I'm telling you, there's a guy sitting at a head office somewhere in Deco Fern going, I'm going to make this as difficult as humanly possible so that every single time someone buys one of our products, they are going to suffer. I'm telling you now, there's a guy and he designs this map and it's this phenomenal map. All the instructions are in Chinese, which obviously I can read, so that's fine. But there's pictures which are very, very helpful. And, and Deco Fern have designed these screws that are from hell. They are from hell because you actually don't know how they work because they're, they're like circular. All the guys who do building in the room are going, yes, you don't have a clue, do you? You try and build a Deco Fern TV stand. And so you start this process and all of a sudden, and this is a ready-made thing, it takes you five hours to work out where the one screw is. And then your wife comes to you and says, hey, maybe you could do it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in it. I can do this myself because obviously your masculinity is being tested in this deco fern moment. And this could determine the rest of your marriage. So you've got to get it right. And so you build this thing and it takes you forever. And all of a sudden you realize that building is not so easy. And this is a ready-made thing. And I realized that actually for the guys who build in life, build houses, build, I've been in any form of industry. My dad's a toolmaker, so I have a little bit of an idea of the level of skill and effort that it takes to build something. What I know about is it takes work, it takes expertise, it takes energy, it takes all of these things. And I believe that as believers in Christ, we are called to learn from Jesus how to build our future. How to build our future. We are called to take the, 
the mind map of this, this life, which actually is this incredible book over here, and actually go, Jesus, I want to learn from you. I want to learn not how to have a pop-up tent that all of a sudden becomes this perfect future because you may want it, but you'll never get it until one day we are with Christ. But actually, I believe Jesus calls us to build, to put our hands to something, to intentionally grow the future that he's got for us. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says this, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And I believe that we are called as believers to work at this. And so tonight I want to talk about three simple things that I believe will help us build better futures. And you might be going, well, I don't really want a New Year's resolution pep talk. That is not my intention this evening. My intention this evening very simply is to help us see what God has placed in our hands to build the future that he's designed for you. And I believe that 2020 will be unbelievable. It might not be easy. There might be challenges. There might be things that come your way. But I believe that this year can be a phenomenal year if you will put your hands to what God has designed for you. My first point this evening, it's very simple. It's very simply this. Build on Christ. Build on Christ. In Matthew 16, 13 to 20, there's this amazing conversation that happens between a man named Peter, who's one of Jesus' disciples, one of his friends, one of the men who's walking with and handing the kingdom mission over to, and between him and Jesus. And, and it says this, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? So the question he's asking is, who do the people say I am? This is Jesus. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And and these were all men that related to the Messiah. But what about you, he asked. What do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. I believe the first step in walking in everything that God has got for us is to see Jesus. To see Jesus. You see, Peter was a bit of a chop. You go read the rest of his story, you will see he denied God. He did a whole bunch of horrendous things. But I want to tell you that if you want a future that God has designed, see Jesus. In this moment, we read a a real conversation that happened, and and he's saying, "You you are the Messiah. And Jesus replies, he says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. You see who Jesus is can't come to us through our own understanding. God's got to do it. But when he does it, it transforms our life but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so what Jesus says in this moment is, he says, okay, Peter, you get who I am. You get that I'm the Son of God, that I'm the Messiah, and on that rock, the fact that I am the Savior of the world, I will build my church. And if you didn't know, but if you have made a commitment to Christ, you are part of that church. And so what Jesus is saying is that he will build you on himself. And you see, I think the challenge is in the tough moments we go, Jesus, I need you. But when in general life we go, I'll do this myself. And I believe that God is calling us as his church to build our lives on the rock that is Christ. On the Messiah, on the son of the living God. And I want to tell you why I believe this is so powerful. It's because number one, Jesus is forever. Jesus is forever. The Bible teaches us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. Why is this significant? Well, because we need a rock in our lives. We need a base for our lives that does not change with seasons, 
with time, with situations. So many of us, I believe, build on a base that is not Jesus. And then when the challenges come and the trials come and the difficulties come, all of a sudden that base shifts. And we fall and we stumble and we struggle. Why? Because we put something else at the base of our lives. I believe that when we start to understand whether it is natural to us or not, building on Christ is the only way to walk into the future that he has for you. Building on Christ. Number one, he's forever. Number two, he does not fade. He does not fade. He does not become weaker. He does not lack power. He does not lack anything. The Bible says that he who begins a good work in you will bring it to completion. But you see, when we don't build our lives on the base that is Christ, that completion becomes very, very challenging because God wants to work in our lives, but we are not allowing him to be the rock that we build it on. And so resolutions are powerful because they are a desire to change. But the only way that we become more like Christ is if we build our lives on the rock that is Jesus. He is forever. He does not fade. And he is immovable. You see, I believe we build securities in our lives, whether it be your job, your salary, your family, your friends, your social circles, whatever it might be. We we build these things and we go, as long as these things are in a good place, I'm okay. But I want to tell you that the only immovable rock that you can build your life on is Jesus Christ. Because he does not move. He does not change. He has everything. Every, every, everything that we need for life and godliness. Now imagine coming to a Savior who has everything and saying, Jesus, I just want to build my life on you. You'll start to see your future unfold. You'll start to see the people around you's futures unfold in incredible ways. Why? Because you are building your life on Christ. Number one, build with Christ. Number two, build with wisdom. It's an amazing scripture in Matthew 7. It's Jesus speaking. And if you know anything about Matthew, you'll know Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the sermon. And Jesus is preaching the sermon and he's telling the people what the kingdom of God is. He's telling the people what his kingdom will look like. He's telling the people what the kingdom that we live in should look like. And so he preaches these three chapters, and and he preaches his heart out, and he goes through a whole bunch of different things, and then he lands with these sentences. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, I believe to build your life with wisdom is to build your life on the ways of Jesus. To build your life with wisdom, to build a better future for yourself, for our nation, for your family, for your friends, to build that future is to place your life on the teachings of Jesus. You see, I believe that all of us live with the will of God inside of us. There is a will that God has for us. There is a desired future that God has for us. You see, Jesus was a rabbi. And what it meant to be a rabbi was it meant that you would have followers and you would teach them your ways. And if those followers listened to you, learned from you, and practiced your ways, they would become like you. 
And in the same way, God has got a designed future for us, and His desire is that we would learn His ways, adopt His ways, and live in His ways. That is what it means to live with wisdom. If you've been wondering, how do I get wisdom? I want to tell you, sir or ma'am, tonight, live in the ways of Jesus. Many of us have heard that famous scripture. It says, come to me, you who are, are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's this amazing scripture. Now, most people think that that yoke refers to the yoke that would go on an oxen. So that very big wooden thing that would go between two cattle, and they would pull that yoke. They would pull that weight. But actually, that's not what it was talking about. In the Jewish day, the yoke was the teaching of a rabbi. It was his teachings. It was the things that he believed, the things that he taught about God. And so what Jesus is saying is, he says, come to me. I will give you rest. Take my ways. And you will have rest. You will live the life that I've designed for you. I think so many of us are trying to learn the 10 tricks to become better people. But actually, if we want to walk into the better future that God has for us, all we need is to learn His ways. Live in His ways. And all of a sudden, the space will open up. You see, the promise of that scripture when Jesus says, He says, if you build with me as the rock, nothing can come against it. Nothing can come against it. So many of us fear failure. We fear these things. And yes, we make mistakes. That's okay. As long as at the other side of the mistake, we come back to Jesus. Say, Jesus, you're the one I want to build my life on. You see, Jesus is not scared of our sin. He went and dealt with our sin. He died on a cross for our sin. He's not scared of your sin. He's passionate about your future. And when we come to him with, with humility and we come to our Savior and we say, Jesus, I need you, all of a sudden our futures start to open up. See, we go through this festive season and we have all of these different things go on and we make wise decisions and some are not so wise decisions. And so what we start to do is we start to clam up and we start to go, I'll fix this. I'll sort it out. No, ma'am. No, sir. I want to say to you, build on the ways of Jesus. Forgiveness. Humility. All of these things are ways that Jesus teaches us so that we can walk into the future that he has for us. See, I love that Jesus uses the analogy of a house. Because a house is an interesting thing. For each of us, I don't know about you, but when I walk into my home, we live in a, an amazing one-bedroom little flat in Big Bay right by the sea. And it really, really is awesome. And it's not huge. It's not, we're not living in the mansion of all mansions. But I know that when I walk into my home and I close the door, I feel safe. I feel secure. I feel like this is, this is my space. You know? And I believe that God has given us a house to build in this world. He's given us a space to build in this world. He's given us a purpose and a mandate to build something that is of consequence, that has an eternal legacy to it. And if we want to build a house that is immovable, we have to build it on Christ, and we have to build it on His ways. And so I would even say to you, sir, man, maybe make one of your New Year's resolutions this year to read the book of Matthew. Just the book of Matthew. Go read the book of Matthew and simply look for Jesus' ways. Look at the way that he deals with people. I love Jesus. He is the softest, most compassionate man imaginable. The only people Jesus ever gets angry with are the religious elite. Why? Because they were treating those who were, who were in difficulty and battling badly. And so he got angry with them and he showed compassion to those who were in need. All of a sudden we learn. You know, I, I didn't come up with that. It's in his ways. It's we learn it from his word. And that is what it means to build with wisdom. 
You see, it's this amazing thing that every time we choose to step more into what Christ has for us, we take a brick and we put it into what he's calling us to build. When you go to your workplace and you work hard and you work unto God, you're taking a brick and you're going, yes, God, I'm building with you. You're the master builder and I'm part of your army. I'm part of your building team. Number one, build on Christ. Number two, build with wisdom. And number three is very simple, build on purpose. You see, because we'll build either way. We will build our lives either way. Either we will build on purpose or we'll build by accident. And what I love about New Year's resolutions is actually often they are an attempt to build on purpose. You see, but when we allow the Spirit of God to fill us, we build on purpose by accident. I know, it's fascinating. We build on purpose by accident. When we learn the ways of Jesus and we live very simply in the ways of Christ, we build with purpose by accident. It just happens. I love this in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 to 9. Paul is speaking and he says this. What after all is Apollos, is one of his his brothers. And what is Paul? We are only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord had assigned to each his task. It's an amazing thing. In one line, he said, who are we? We're just builders who God assigned a task. Just like me, I'm just a builder who God assigned a task. It's this fascinating piece of scripture. So simple, but so powerful. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. It's this fascinating thing that Jesus says, actually, I've called you to build with me. I've called you to build with me. I love that line where Paul says, actually, through our planting and through our watering, you came to know Christ. So there was an active building that happened by Paul and Apollos. See, there is a purposeful building. They understand their place. They understand what God's called them to, and they are building that house. You know what is, I believe, one of the most powerful things we can learn to do as believers in Christ is to say no. Because when we say no to one thing, we're saying yes to something else. And when we learn to say no to the things that God hasn't called us to, we start saying yes to the things that he has called us to. It is a powerful thing. Why? Because I'm building on purpose. You see, there are a million things that my wife and I could spend our evenings doing. But actually, one of the things that we do as because we believe in it is we make space for each other so that we can spend time together. We could fill our evenings with meetings and activities and all kinds of things. And, but actually, we choose that. Why? Because we're building on purpose. We're going, this is a priority for us. Our marriage is a priority that we will fight for. No, we don't get it right all the time. Yes, things become busy, but we're trying to build on purpose. We're trying to follow the ways of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the life of God comes. I know when my wife and I are spending intentional time together, our marriage flourishes. And I can feel it quickly when we haven't prioritized that. Why? Because I'm not building on purpose anymore. Now I'm building by accident. Things are just happening. And I believe this is such a powerful word at the beginning of the year because I believe you and I are part of God's story. And if you're sitting here today and you're going, I don't really think I have much of a future. My innings are up. I'm not sure what the next thing is for me. I want to tell you, sir or ma'am, God has called you to build something great. He has a space for you. He has a home for you that he has called you to build. And that home will leave a legacy for many. You know, one of my favorite things in the world is when I, um, 
I hear stories of people whose families have lived in homes for generations. Have you ever had a conversation with someone who will talk about their childhood home? Like my grandparents lived in it, and then my parents lived in it, and now we live in it. And it's this amazing thing because there is, there's legacy there. You know, it's a fascinating thing. You say to people, they've got Christmas traditions. People will have these strange traditions that they do where they go here or do this or do that. And you go, where did that come from? And they kind of look at you like, oh, I don't know. It's just what we do. You see, when we build on purpose, the generations after us, the generations around us, they pick up that legacy. They start to live in what we fought for. And what a great legacy to leave that others would walk in the more of God because I chose to build on purpose. That I chose to build on Christ. That I chose to build in His ways and through His ways. So that you give yourself to the ways of Jesus. He has a passionate plan for your life. Jesus was a, he was a simple leader. He was a clear leader. He was a leader who desired for people to flourish. And I believe tonight God is calling us to be part of a big story. Let's build together. He's got something phenomenal for us. Can I pray for us? Why don't we stand up? I know it's the first Sunday of 2020. There's so much, there's such a big year ahead of us. And I know for some people it can be so daunting. We know 2019 was tough. I don't know how this year is going to pan out. For some of us, we're excited. For some of us, we're trepidatious. But I believe that God has got a space and a place for you to build. He's got a place in this church for you to build. He's got a place in your workplace for you to build. He's got a place in your family for you to build. Sometimes it's not what we think it is. But when we live in the will of God, the life of God pours out over it. All of a sudden, you're walking in things that you could never have imagined. Why? Because you chose to build on Christ, to build with His wisdom, and to build on purpose. So, Father, tonight as we've gathered, as we've worshipped, as we've glorified Your name, King Jesus... I pray, Holy Spirit, you would give us faith to build with you, God. Thank you that we have the privilege of being called your workers, King Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you did not simply choose to do it all on your own, even though you could. You chose to involve us in this beautiful story, God. Thank you for the privilege of life, King Jesus. Father, I pray over the people in this room where people's lives have been, had condemnation spoken over them, God. Where people have been told that their lives are useless, useless or worthless, God. I pray right now, Father, you would revive those hearts, King Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you would remind your sons and your daughters that you have a grand future for them. And Father, I pray tonight you would give us faith to put our hands to the plow, God. I pray, Jesus, you would help me standing here today build on you, Christ. Build on the rock that cannot be moved, that is forever, that is infallible, that does not fade, God. Help me, Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would help me build it with your ways, King Jesus. That we would not build by accident, God, but that we would build on purpose. That this year is not a year of simply stumbling into God, but that we as your sons and daughters, seated in heavenly places with you, Christ, would stand up and fight for what you have for us, God. I thank you, Father, that because of the people in this room, workplaces would be transformed. Families would be transformed. Futures would be transformed. Why? Because we chose to build with you, God. Thank you that we would not pick up the brick unless you called us to it, Jesus. Thank you. Give us the faith to say no and the faith to say yes to what you've called us to. We are so in awe of you, King Jesus. We love you, King Jesus. 
And we trust you with this year, God. We trust you with this year, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in hearts, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.